Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities, our transgressions, those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, none of us are perfect, but we strive to do what you want us to do. Lord, we ask that we all live and do and work to our full potential. Lord, I'm asking that you raise up every member of this group, Lord, that we may have real understanding as to what your word says, that it may become a part of our lives, Lord, that we know that through you we can do nothing. So, Lord, we are imperfect beings, but our duty, Lord, is to strive to be like you more and more each day. So I'm asking, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of contention, every spirit of error, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of lying or jealousy or hatred. Let them be bound today, Lord, that your presence will be here, that your Holy Ghost will raise up and edify this group, that we may have clear understanding. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only righteous and true God, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So today's study is going to be on uh, the carnal mind versus the spiritual mind. I think like when it comes to um, understanding the difference, I mean, you got people in church that can't figure this out. I mean, you know... um, it's just one of those things where if you try and tell people about, um, you know, well, let me explain a natural mind first. I'll go there. A natural mind is like a mind that you perceive things with your five senses, okay? Whatever you can see, whatever you can touch, whatever you can taste, whatever you can hear is your reality. But there are things that are greater in reality than those. You know, we know, of course... With the wind, whether you feel it or not, you know that it's there. You know, you don't have to always see it. You don't have to always hear it. Scientists will tell you that atoms are real. Scientists will tell you that there are things that, you know, we can't see that exist. So, you know, the spiritual world is something like that because what it does is, you know, it's kind of like it makes you sensitive to those things that go beyond your senses. Um, If you, even with the Bible where... I remember before even getting saved with the Lord, this book wasn't interesting to me at all. I mean, it was just something that I couldn't get into. My head would hurt. I just couldn't. I didn't want to remember all the funny names in here. It was just so much that really didn't pique my interest until, you know, the Lord began to change certain things in me and I became more spiritually minded. You know, like uh, where a lot of people talk about faith, you know, one thing to understand with that is it's, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I mean, once you know how to do this or how these things work, you know, believing in things that most people wouldn't believe, you know, that's somewhat the spiritual mind. Where if you were to tell people um, something you felt or something that you know, your reality becomes greater than the carnal mind. 
the carnal mind is like, well, if I don't see it, you know, or, or if you tell them about something, they'll have like either a, you know, medical or scientific way of explaining it when really the reality goes outside of, you know, the physical world. So to get going, we'll start in uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Everybody's week been good? Anything going on? I think I got bit by a spider. <laughs> right. Are you turning into Spider-Man yet? Or what? Not yet. Spider-Woman. Well, just a lot of aches and pains. I saw a friend who says, you're truly happy. You're what? I'm truly happy. Who said that? One of my friends I haven't seen in a couple months. Yeah, did she ask why? You are truly happy. You are happy with where you are in your life. You're happy with your job. She's like, I can see it. There's just nothing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome because most people aren't. I you love know, my most job. Most people are like, yeah. <laughs> I'm finally using my brain. <laughs> Boy, I should have had this ready before. Now I'm looking for the pages. Burning up time. What's that? So I think we need a better uh, clip notebook. Yeah, right. Ripping pages out of it and everything. Some tabs. Huh? You just need tabs. Yeah, sometimes I'll put things back in certain sections and then it's like I can't, I don't remember where they are. Oh, boy. You know it's in here. Somebody talk. Say something. Nothing to say. Oh. How was your week? Was it good? Yes, yeah, so maybe I'll know. <laughs> I, uh, I'm the only one that's seen it. I've already asked. I might get free burritos if I go to Chewy's. <laughs> the the lady who works there, like, her car was broken in, and her cousin ended up chasing this the guy who broke into her car on a bike past the kiosk. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kiara sent me a text last yeah. night about some guy trying to break in somebody's car. I ended up chasing them both down with the security card. <laughs> All right, let's go. just go to First Corinthians chapter 2. I'll try and find it here. I'm like, I don't even know what I did to it. That's weird. It must be ghost. I don't know. Oh, there it is. All right. You. It's not this crazy all the time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Like, what happened to this guy? I wasted five minutes doing this. <laughs> okay, they can cut it from there and start over. <laughs> all right, here we go. I think. Yeah, here we are. All right, First Corinthians chapter two. And I, brethren, we'll start in verse one. 
And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know uh, anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of uh, spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now one thing we got to understand here is, they're talking about two different types of wisdom. One is the wisdom of God, the other is the wisdom of the world. Now, some people would feel like, what's the difference? But, you know, we'll keep reading right here. Um, uh, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even to hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So um, I should have gone into this before, but what we recognize as man himself is made of three parts. You know, there's the body, which everybody knows. There's the, there's the soul which is the second part. This is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And then there's your spirit in the place where God interacts with you, where you worship God. Okay, so um, everybody knows the flesh. The flesh is what you can feel, what you can see, what you can taste, you know, all that good stuff. And the soul is the place where, you know, you either have the will to do things. It's the place where your emotions are. And then you have your spirit, which is a place that God worships. And um, a lot of people don't know this, but this is why God made Solomon's temple the way that he did. The temple of the Lord had the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. Okay, so when he's saying here that if people are to know the things of God, then that part in your spirit has to be awakened. You know how you feel most of the time. You don't need God to do that. You know what you look like. You know when you're injured. You know when there's certain things that are going on in your life. No one has to tell you about those things. But the spirit itself is the place where most people can't identify with. You know, and that's the place that God touches in an individual to give greater understanding to what he means. Okay, uh, where am I? Verse 10 or 11? 11. 11, okay. For what man knoweth the things of man? save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So that's pretty much what I'm saying. Like, you know, understanding the things of God, there's a part of the spirit that has to be awakened. This is why when you discuss God in a lot of situations or around people that might be carnally minded, it's no interest to them. The reason is, is because they have that place void of the spirit. You know, their, their existence is what I can feel, what I can taste, what I can touch, what I love, what I don't love. And then there's the, you know, the physical part that we move through every single day. Okay, so um, 12. 
now that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, uh, that we might know the things that are freely given unto us, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. You know, interesting point here. I hate to crack on it because I myself, you know, have, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the world. I do the things of the world. Um, one thing to understand about this world is it's not really spiritually based. It is about the individual, how we get through our everyday lives, how we do things that we do. But, you know, I, I do realize, and, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm some crazy Jesus lover, you know, but, you know, it's clear that there's an attack on him in this world. I mean, it, it, you know, if you even look at it, if you go into things like even in movies, they're always saying something about the Bible. They're always trying to get people to question it. But, you know, when it comes to Buddhism or any other thing, you know, Islam and all the others, I mean, everything is just fine. You know, every time there's a shooting down at the school or something happens, you know, they're always quick. Oh, you know, he said he was a Christian and because people didn't believe he started shooting people, you know, so you always feel like this. There's this attack on God's word. And, you know, that was one of the things that actually drew me closer to him was recognizing that this world hates him. You know, my first few years of college and everything like that, I was basically taught to forget about him. You know, he was just an idea, but what we understand now in evolution and science and everything else, you know, is the, is the reality of everything. And as I began to do research and study a lot of things, I found that many of them are not true. I found that a lot of things in the scientific community prove the validity of God, but they'll never tell you. They'll make you believe that he's the boogeyman or Easter Bunny or, you know, Santa, like he doesn't exist. Okay, but we'll go further and uh, we'll explain some more. Uh, 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but uh, which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man. Now, one thing we understand about natural, that's carnal, that's sensual, that's soulish. The Greek word there is soukakos. You know, that's where we get the word suke for psyche. When people go into psychology in school and they talk about this stuff, it's the study of the mind. That's what psychology is. It comes from the Greek word suke. Okay? So that's a natural man. A natural man would just tell you, if it can't be proven, you know, by me seeing it, what I see and what I hear, it's not real. Okay? It can't be. But if I can see it happen, then I know that it's real. Okay, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So what we understand here is, like we were just talking about, if you have a spiritual mind to understanding things, things will make more sense. And it's a process. It's not something that you wake up overnight and you become spiritually minded. I remember when I was having issues in my life with a lot of things, because I come from a Christian background, you know, and I had to study things on my own, but my parents would always tell me, have more faith. You know, you should have more faith. And I'm like, what do you need faith? I need money. I need $50 right now, you know? But it was just one of those things where, you know, people would say, no, have more faith. You got to have faith in God. And, you know, me being naturally minded, I didn't understand that. 
There was no way to understand that. Why? I wasn't interested in knowing God. So therefore, I had blinders on my eyes. You know, there were things that I wasn't able to see until God removed the scales. Okay, um, neither, all right, there are spiritually discerned, 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Um, understand a spiritual man, he's somewhat different from a carnal, natural man. The only difference is one acknowledges that he needs God. Neither one of them are perfect. Neither one of them have anything that would make them stand over another, except recognizing, hey, you know what? I've done it my way for years and years. You know, that's my story. And somehow it just didn't work out. It had nothing to do with being successful. I was on Wall Street, seven and a half years, making six figures. You know, I went to school. I've done all these things in my life, but there was just this void that I just couldn't fill. And, you know, I tried to find it in relationships. I've tried to find it in, you know, world success. I tried to find it in so many things and that void just wouldn't fill. It was an emptiness there, you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but this is why some people join cults. This is why people join gangs. They're looking for that sense of belonging, you know, outside of that sense of rejection, mm -hmm. you know, in their lives. Okay, so when it means that he himself is judged of no man, the spiritual man is like he recognizes his own wrong. So no one has to judge him, you know, where a lot of people think that Christians are self-righteous. They're not self-righteous. They're just broken people that know that they need the Lord. They just have a relationship with the Lord that pretty much tells them, hey, I want to introduce other people to this. Not because I want to rain on anyone's parade. Not because I don't like people or I just want to give someone a hard time. You know, in, in many ways, it's a display of love because if you love, imagine um, being involved in something that had nothing to do with you. I care about what you're doing in your life. And, and, and getting to know the Lord. And that's none of my business. But you see, a spiritually minded person is going to fight for something greater than himself. Why? Because he has love for another. You know, and it's about getting that conscious sense of awareness. Now, I will admit, there are many Christians that overdo it. You say one thing to them, and they want to just, you know, ram the Bible down your throat. You know, <laughs> don't you see this? Don't you know this? Look at this. You know, look what it says, you know, and, and, you know, Jesus was against those people, too, because they were religious. You know, when we don't talk about religion. We're about relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that we're all broken. We all sin. We've all fallen short. You know, it's just recognizing at times we just need a, you know, we need that relationship. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm no different than anybody in here. OK, um, for who have known the mind of the Lord? Uh, that he may instruct him, but have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. So they're making a distinction here of the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. But we're going to go back one, the 1 Corinthians 1, because there's two different types of minds in this world that exist. A lot of people don't know this, but this is what you see every day. So I'm going to start at... Uh, Let's see. Let's start at uh, 17. First uh, Corinthians 1.17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the, cross, lest the cross of Christ should be of none effect. 
for the preaching of the cross is to them okay is to them that perish foolishness but unto us which are saved it is the power of God for it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will um, bring to um, nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer of this world hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world so okay most people would see no evidence of this but again you know there's a lot of PhD scientists that believe in God a lot of people think that you know the Christians are the religious ignorant people that don't know anything about the you know the world well you know, through my understanding, I'm even recognizing, like, so many things about evolution that are not true. You know, how there is evidence of a biblical flood, like the Bible spoke about, but no one, you know, believes. How you can slowly see, like, things turned around. Um, I read a few weeks ago here, about a month ago, right, when we were talking about the strategy that they had in the 1900s or 1800s, about the 10 strategy, the 10 um, step plan to destroy Christianity in America. You know, one was to uh, take children away from, well, take prayer and, and, and God out of school. That was the first step that they made. And they said the reason for doing this was to get people to um, feel like if I can achieve in school, then that separates having a relationship with Christ so I don't need it to survive. You'll start to think that. I got great grades. There's no reason to worry about this, you know. All these things are working for me. Then there was a second step when they talked about um, take children away from their parents in terms of the parents teaching the children um, about the faith, telling the children that they're individuals of their own. They don't need to listen to any of that stuff. The third step was to, if I'm not mistaken, it was to um, tell parents they couldn't spank their children. Mm -hmm. This is no lie. To tell parents... They couldn't spank their children because they know that if you spank the child and you correct the child, the child will fall in line with you. You know, instead, they want children wild and rebellious. And you can tell the children they haven't been spanked. I mean, they're the people we're afraid of walking down the streets today, you know. So, and then there was another one where they talked about debasing art, how they would use the music and TV and all these other things to get people outside of the truth. You guys could even look it up. It's called the 10 Strategies. Um, what is it? Against Christianity? Alice Bailey's 10-step plan. Yeah. You know, you guys can look it up. But these people um, knew about this. They've been instituting it for a while. You know, I've fallen victim to, victim to a lot. They were talking about how to make abortion legal, right? That that would be okay. There'd be no problem with it. Why? So kids can enjoy lives without responsibility. You know, but they can have as much fun as they want and do what they want. Now, we know in the spirit world, there's a lot more to it than what we think. You know, I mean, we know why they're aborting babies. Mm -hmm. And it's not a woman's right to choose. That's what they tell us. Okay, so there's a lot of points with that where they talk about, you know, like the whole Pangea theory. You know, they'll tell you, oh, the earth was like this one way. And then, you know, the continents were like all together. And then they all separated and became what they are. Now, okay, if that's true, one thing we have to understand is these continents are not floating on top of the water like a bowl of cereal. Okay, they're connected under the earth. And they'll even show you that there's evidence that there was a flood because the Bible says the fountains of the deep broke open and the land, you know, parted. 
but it wasn't because they themselves were floating into a natural position. So that's another lie. Under the earth, all the continents are still connected. So where are they floating off to? That's ridiculous. Okay, so it's, it's just little things like that that we're going into. But the reason why, I mean, through my experience, I don't expect everyone here, you know, everyone to believe, you know, because this thing has to be revealed to you for you to recognize it. But what I'm recognizing, you know, from what I've seen is everything they try and do is to keep you from getting to know Christ. Oh, it's yeah. not about being rich and successful because some people would say, well, you feel that way, but you're poor. You know, you're not rich. So if you were rich, then you would understand. Okay. How many of those people commit suicide and kill themselves all the time? Why? Because there's a void in their lives missing that can't be filled. They thought by having money that it was just going to mean everything by world, you know, by notoriety, by having all these things. But in the end, that void not filled, a lot of people kill themselves or they, they just constantly depressed when the Lord can deal with all of these things in our lives, you know, uh, so we'll continue. But that's just an example of, you know, the natural mind and the uh, spiritual mind. So this is why they're saying, has not the wisdom of God made men foolish? Because when you look at it, man, I, I mean, there's so many DVDs down there and things that I got from scientists and so many people, man, you do your own research, you'll find out they lie about almost everything that you learn in school. Now, some people would say, well, what's the point? Let's just, you know, I'm not against education, not one bit. I've gone to school. I'm not someone that's against being what you want to be in this life. But what I'm doing is, you know, you never buy in. You never sell out. Understand that in this world, unless you have Christ, that this whole world is against him. I mean, you know, it's just something that over time when you're aware, you know, and then you end up bugging other people. I mean, there's times I'll watch movies and I'll say, Hey, look at this guy, you know. Oh, I see what they're doing. You know, you got people around me. Oh, brother, will you just <laughs> shut up? You know, why are you bringing this stuff up? But the thing is, is that it's the sense of awareness that the spiritual mind has as opposed to a natural mind. Mm -hmm. You know, now natural mind, it's not that they couldn't become spiritually minded. It's a sense of awareness that they don't even know that they have, you know, that they're without. Okay. Let's see. Okay, uh, 21. For after that, uh, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You see? The world by wisdom knew not God. Why? Because we've been indoctrinated to believe that what you have is your truth. What is your truth is your truth. What's your truth is your truth. So no one ever comes to the truth. Okay, now if that's the reality of today and that's the philosophy spread around the world, then how do we know who's right? Right and wrong just become together. You know, it doesn't matter who's right and wrong. You believe what you want. I believe what I want. You know, so this is where a lot of it gets um, tossed. Uh, let's see. All right. For after that, the wisdom um, of God of the world um, by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Uh, but we preach... Um, Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now, one thing we have to understand here, there are two main things that come against the body of Christ. One is government. The other is religion. These two are the twin pillars, you know, that are in everyone's life that everybody deals with. 
So much so that the world even made a rule about this. You know, what are the two things they tell you never to talk about? Religion and government. In politics, right? Yeah. yeah, you know, you later understand the reason why they don't want people discussing that, because you'll get to the core of who runs this world and what this yeah. whole thing is about. Okay, so when it says that the Jews um, require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, the Jew mind is a religious mind. You know, a religious-minded person is one that does things just for the sake of doing it, not seeking relationship. You know, it's that mind where it's so religious, it doesn't even want to come to the truth. If you were to show, like, and I've dealt with this in my mom's church. If you go to the churches and you, you know, you explain to them, well, you know, pastor, whatever got this wrong, look what it says here. And you prove it. Oh, no, the pastor's got to be right. Well, why do you say that? Oh, because he's the pastor. He knows. So, you know, these people feel like they're beyond correction because of the fact that they're caught up in traditions and what they believe, you know. And then you have the Greeks, you know, the Greek mind, which is the mind of the world, the government mind, the world mind. How do we know? Why do they call this the Greek mind? If you look at all of the U.S. Um, influence today, democracy, a Senate. You know, if you look at all the things that they have today, the Greeks, you know, had it. They got it from the Egyptians. The Egyptians, I mean, the, uh, the Greeks gave it to the Romans. The Romans gave it to Great Britain. Great Britain sailed across America. This country, you know, is an extension of Rome, of Greece. You know, um, a lot of what they do for um, government, you know, comes from it. So this is what they mean by the Greeks. The Greek mind is the world mind. Unless I can see it, unless you can show me, I don't believe. And unfortunately, you know, faith doesn't work that way. You know, faith starts off like a little seed. You know, when, you, when your heart gets touched and you begin to believe and then the Lord gives you some truth. As you begin to believe more, the Lord gives you more truth. Then, you be, then there are more things revealed to you. Why? It takes a sense of awareness to see these things. It's not something that you can just dive into. Okay, and, and um, stay where you are, but let's go to 2 Corinthians uh, 4. Anybody have any questions so far, anything? You know, we're not against questions being asked. You know, that's just something that, you know, that's good. Yeah, we go over that. You know, the more questions asked, the more truth we get, the more understanding, maybe. All right, Second uh, Corinthians uh, 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, uh, should shine unto them. So what we understand here is, if you absorb yourself into this Greek mind, into this Greek world, we become indoctrinated by Greek philosophy, Greek understanding. How can you possibly understand, you know, um, the things of God? If you're, if you're programmed to one setting, unless that setting is switched, this is the setting that you'll be into. If you look into, um, it's just like someone coming from a foreign country and coming here. Now, the majority of people here speak English. You know, if you come here from another country, chances are you're not going to understand the language. But because America's been everywhere, everybody knows English. So I guess that's a bad example. But 
the point is, is that if you're raised in a particular culture, you know, there are things that you just don't switch because it's what you know. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like, um, Jessica, with you being, um, you know, Mexican descent, you know, I'm sure you know, like a lot of your grandparents and things like that, when they come here, even though they're American, they continue to speak Spanish amongst themselves. And there's a lot of things that they do with their tradition, even here in this country. So it's kind of like the same setting where if you were to have a natural mind or a Greek mind versus a spiritual mind, you know, it's foreign to you because it's not something that you're familiar with. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. All right. I'm not there anymore. We're back in First uh, Corinthians uh, 1. Okay, uh, we'll start at uh, 20, well, um, 21 again. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block. Why is it a stumbling block? Because the Jewish people believe that their way is the way. Through all this tradition, from the time of Moses, from Solomon's temple, from the exodus in Egypt, from all the things that they had in that time, and now they're hearing that all you need is Christ to be saved, you know, you're not into all the other traditions that were going on, they can't get beyond that. Why? Because they're religious. Okay, um, and then you go in, and it says in 24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Uh, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. So, you know, it's basically talking about God's wisdom versus the world. While we don't know a lot of God's wisdom, we've had a lot of help. A lot of this world will tell you, stay away from it. It's a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Do you really believe a man was in the ground dead for three days and that death had something to do with all of humanity? That's ridiculous. You know, who's going to believe that? So it takes a spiritual mind to become sensitive to these things and to have understanding. All right, so from here, if anybody has any questions, we'll go to, uh, we'll go to Romans 1. But, you know, I know a lot of pastors and people that go to church, you know, they try and uphold this perfect image, but they're not perfect in the least. And I understand why a lot of people want to stay away from it is because these people will walk around acting perfect. And, you know, it's like, who are you to down somebody? You know, the thing is that we're all broken. Jesus knew this. He wasn't about, you ought to do this, you ought to do that. You know, he couldn't stand the religious people, and neither can I. <laughs> all right, we'll go to Romans 1, verse 20. Everybody there? All right. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. So, you know, this is like kind of an um, witness to who God is. You know, a lot of things that we take for granted, a lot of things in the world that we don't think are really important. Like, for example, you know, you look at the trees, you look at the four seasons, you know, you look at night and day, you look at how things are in a 24-hour period. God's number is 12, which is the number of completion and government. God chose 12 apostles. There were 12 tribes of Israel. You know, you look at uh, time. You know, in one 24-hour period, we have 1,100, I mean, 440 minutes in a day, which is the number 12 magnified, you know, over and over. So his signature is on every single thing, you know, evolution, you know, that'd be some trick that, you know, people would really have to prove from a big bang, everything came to be. Okay, so everything somehow found order. You know, behind everything that's created, there has to be a why. If, the, if you don't, like this TV, it's here, why? We're sitting in this room, why? You know, <laughs> you're born on such and such day, why? But evolution is like this random thing that just comes up, boom. There was a dot, what was it, as small as a dot on the page? Yeah. And it span around for millions of years, you know, it spun and spun and boom. You know, and everything slowly formed into what you have today. And it's like, you know what? The eyeball itself is more complex than a jet airplane, than a space shuttle. Okay? The fact that no one has the same fingerprints. The fact that we have a thinking, reasoning process. Now, someone could say, well, everybody knows what's good and bad, but yeah, where did we learn that? Mm -hmm. You see, because animals themselves, they live by might is right. So where do we get the conscience? To eventually say, you know what, this isn't right, this is right. You know, so there's just little examples like that. When you find order, you have to know that it was placed. Look at the fact that if you just, I guess I always use the example, if you find change thrown on the street somewhere, okay, and it's like, well, if you see change on the street, and you see nickels, dimes, quarters, just change spread out, you would assume that someone dropped that, okay? <laughs> but if you were to find nickels, dimes, quarters, pennies stacked in their places perfectly, then you would assume that someone put that there. You know, what are the chances of quarters, nickels, dimes, and pennies finding their way, being there in perfect stacks, and no one's touched it? That's not possible. Okay, so this is what he means in one, uh, 120, how in creation, his signature is everywhere. You guys should look up the uh, golden ratio. People think God is outside of science. Look up the golden ratio, the Fibonacci spiral, where it talks about the equation of 1, 3, 5, 8, and 13, that all of creation is made from this. It's like a swirl, okay? Um, I wish I could pull it up. Maybe you can pull it up on your phone, Fibonacci yeah. spiral. But the thing is, is that, all right, I'll give you an example. If this is a 1, which is from the tip of your finger to this knuckle here, then this is a three. You see how it's like almost three times longer? Then this is a five. Then this is an eight. This is a 13. Okay, so there are mathematical equations placed in creation. For example, um, the swirl on your head. You know, when kids are born, they have that little swirl. That's a Fibonacci spiral. When waves are in the sea rolling, they have the Fibonacci spiral. Hurricanes. 
have this spiral. Water draining in the sink has the spiral. Your fingerprints have this spiral. A dog's relation to its tail, I mean tail size in relation to its body, has that spiral. Flowers in the world, the way that they come around, you know, like the bud, has the Fibonacci spiral. Now this is, they call it Fibonacci spiral, but it's the golden ratio. It's God's, um, it's his um, signature on all of creation. Now you got scientists talking about, well, that's just how things are. It's just how they are. So math does itself. You know, obviously there had to be some mathematician, and that mathematician is God, mm -hmm. because no one knows how we're here. And you got people observing things that they've never seen. So what does that make evolution? Religious. It's a religious thing. They'll even tell you, if you look up about carbon dating, they'll tell you how old the earth is. But then they said, oh, well, um, it's not accurate. And if it doesn't match what we want, we just throw the information out and we take what we have. So, you know, there's so much information like this. So this is what they mean by God being, you know, um, everything in his creation is without excuse. The eyeball has a Fibonacci spiral. If you look at how big the white is, and then it just gets, it's like a bullseye. But, you know, his his signature on creation is everywhere. I'm trying to looking in her eyes. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what class we talked about this in. Whether it was my freshman philosophy course or my freshman animal biology course. Mm -hmm. Or may have been both. Because mm -hmm. she pulled it up, it's got the Nautilus. And that, we talked about that, the Nautilus. Right. But... Mm -hmm. But I am coming from, my classes were taken from a different point than most people's freshman biology. Right, because you had, they were more um, into God and things like that. Yeah, I had a leading creationist as my philosophy teacher. Yeah, you have a lot of people, man. People think that the scientists that believe in evolution are, you know, big numbers. I mean, you should look up the list. It's a small group like this, but these people in, in society are very prominent. But there are others that were prominent that were before Darwin's theory, you know, like Sir Isaac Newton and the rest of them. And, yeah, a lot of that came afterwards, you know, from the German um, Operation Paperclip, where the Germans uh, brought their scientists, well, America brought the German scientists to America to start the space program and everything that they have. But with that, those people have even said evolution, it just can't be. You know, there's no way that that could have happened. You know, if there's math, then there's a mathematician. You know, there's just no way that everything can just form into being perfect. Now, so when people say, well, where is God? The more you get to know him, the more he'll reveal it to you. The less difficult it will be to believe because he'll get into the spirit. And it's not brainwashing. It's not something that'll make you, oh, you just keep saying it again and again. Eventually, no, no. It's not about that. It's a true revelation of Jesus Christ in your life. Okay, so we'll go to what? No, I was going to say that, you know, now that evolution is more of a dying religion, you're going to have a lot of people wanting to know the truth, so it's going to take a lot more spiritually based people to be out there talking to them. Well, yeah, and I mean, they're preparing for so much right now that it's almost like in the future, you give it another 10 years to not be spiritually minded, will kind of be like being illiterate, like not being able to read or write. Yeah. And you know this because, you know, even if people don't follow God, they get into other religions and things like that, you know. You got people teaching kids Harry Potter, which really have real spells. Mm -hmm. There are witches that will tell you this stuff. You know, you got people into the New Age belief, what Oprah believes and all this stuff, and, you know, all these things. So 
This world is turning spiritual again. They're trying to tell people, they'll tell you to be an atheist because they don't want you coming to the truth. But these people believe in a spiritual backing. You ought to see what some of the elite of the world, like these presidents, get into. They don't believe in Jesus, but they do believe in Jesus' adversary. And I mean outright, open. Well, they're putting that Harry Potter stuff on the speed lane because I think it's in Disneyland now. They have a Harry Potter uh, amusement park in mm -hmm. Disneyland now. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. And that TV is programmed so much. Verse 21. But because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. This happens to a lot of Christians, okay? Not that they don't know God, but it's funny how even if you start to do things for God, how you can get puffed up in pride, and you think it's all you. I'm the one that's done this. Oh, I brought all these people to the Lord. No, it's not you. You were the vessel that God used mm -hmm. to bring forth the truth. So I take no credit for anything that I know, anything that anyone, you know, anything that I've learned. You know, I give the glory to the Lord. So this is what they're saying, that when you worship and you believe in yourself, and that's what they teach. Aristotle, you know, Plato, all those guys, the whole philosophy that those guys believed in is what the whole world goes after. The education system, you name it, everything. They're all into humanism. Me, my, and I. You know, and that's the same lie that the serpent told people in Genesis 3. You know, he told Adam and Eve, you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. Why? Because he knew that he was teaching them humanism even then. Mm -hmm. This is when man began to fall. Okay, so uh, verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, meaning God can't be corrupted, into an image made like to corruptible man and to, um, and to birds, four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to, um, to, up to uncleanness. Now, what we understand here is they first changed the image of God. That's important. If you change the image of what people have known God to be, then there is no moral that you need. There's, there's, there's nothing that you need to follow at that point. Why? God doesn't exist. I can do what I want. So this is when they say God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies uh, between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator. There's your evolution right there. Uh, who is blessed forever. Amen. So what we understand here is this world only has one objective, and that's to keep people from knowing God. Okay, this is why we have so much entertainment. I'm not saying, I mean, I got movies down there that are entertaining. You know, I do things for fun, of course. God gave you the emotion to have fun. But when you understand this world and what this world is about, it is only meant to take your mind off of Jesus Christ. How do you know this? You can't even watch Family Guy without them mocking Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's the only one, though. You don't. You let them try that on Muhammad and see what happens. Those Muslims will come out and, you know, take care of business. But it's like pick on Jesus Day. Everybody wants to bother him. Now, if he's not real, then why do you spend so much time trying to say he doesn't exist? Why does the whole world hate him if he's nobody? You're only, I mean, Santa, you don't see anybody beating him up, pushing him out the way. No one says anything about the Easter Bunny, so why are you attacking Jesus? Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's just one of those things. So, um, anybody have any questions so far? Anything? No? All right, let's go to um, Ephesians uh, 5. And really, you know, it's I'm I'm somebody that never thought that I would give my life to Christ. I'm telling you, I was the worst. I'm still bad, but I'm just saying, you know, I was worse than you can possibly imagine. I hated people like me. I hated people that always talked about Jesus. I'm like, you know, why are you on this whole Jesus thing? I can't stand, you know, why are you always talking about that? Everything that we say, they want to talk about this. They want to get into that. So, you know, I'm not just saying it like I'm someone that's always believed. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was the devil's child, to say the least. In the New Testament? Yeah. 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 Come on, Ryan. I know, I know, I'm slacking. <laughs> I haven't read that book yet. I, would, I did want to say something, though. Yeah. Remember when my mom was here? Yeah. And uh, we were praying for that little girl? Yeah. Well, they were going to, uh, there was this little girl that was born uh, in bad medical shape. Like, she had no diaphragm, one of her lungs was collapsing, and she was hooked up to all these machines right after she was born. And the doctors were going to have to go in and do a surgery on her to put a diaphragm in. And they said two weeks after they were going to have to go in and do the surgery, she had a diaphragm, or before there was no diaphragm. One of her lungs that was failing said that now it's working. And, you know, all these people have been praying for this little girl that she would get better. And it's like all of a sudden now she's got a diaphragm when there isn't one. You know, and the doctor's like, it's a miracle. They're like, we can't explain what happened. And we're sitting there saying, you know, God's the one that gave her a diaphragm. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't believe in a lot of these miracles, too, unless I've seen them for myself. Mm -hmm. I've seen people heal the disease. I've seen people prayed for. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen people that were, I mean, uh, what Martin and uh, Laura talked about. I think it was Laura or Sue that had a foot that was, like, oh, kind of up. messed oh, up. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there was one time. I was really young. Uh, I was playing like kickball in my room. I don't know, it was really dumb, but anyways, I, we, uh, I, was, I was really young and like one of the girls had picked up the ball and I went to go kick the ball and I ended up kicking the wall. And so I, I ended up walking on my foot for the next week until my dad noticed that, you know, my whole foot was black. Wow. Right? And so I went to the hospital and like, because uh, my sister had gotten sick, so I ended up going with them. Right. And so they checked out my foot, and the inside, the entire side of my foot was all the bones in there were shattered. Wow. So like, um, I was like, okay, and then oh, they set me up. <laughs> yeah, they set me up for the next day to go in to examine my foot, because um, they had they had taken X-rays. And so the next day I was supposed to come in and get the cast. Mm -hmm. So the next day I came in, and they're like, huh? Well, we should take another X-ray of your foot. So when they took an X-ray of my foot there was no broken bones like mm. and they said oh you would just you broke it on a growth plate but wow. they, i saw the x-rays like the entire side of my foot was just shattered wow well, my grandfather wasn't supposed to live past 45 he lived at 81 he had rheumatic fever twice double wow. pneumonia in the 40s um yeah there was no right, cure back then they right, just rocked you to no sleep. we're we're talking about 47 like wow. right after world war ii yeah in central oregon they were the only, you know, it was what we were one of the bigger families out there. We were a second family, mm -hmm. but he wasn't. He lived at eighty-one years old. Mm -hmm. yeah, doctors have told people they'd never walk again, you know. And I mean, like I said, if I didn't see these miracles before myself, I wouldn't believe them. 
I can't believe my grandfather lived by 81. We always thought, I always thought he would be the first one to go with my grandparents. He was the last one. There you go. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so we'll go to Ephesians uh, 5. We'll start at verse, uh, verse 9. Everybody there? Mm-hmm. All right. For the fruit of the Spirit uh, is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done um, of them in secret. But all things that are reproved uh, may manifest by the light. For whatsoever he doeth, whatever whatsoever do, doth make <laughs> manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So what we understand here is, I mean, if people don't believe that Alice Bailey's 10-step program worked, um, you look at how much respect families had for one another back in the 40s, you know, and you compare them to today. And you tell me that that box or whatever was going on in the world didn't have some effect. I mean, look at how before TV was, there were families that sat at the table, they ate together, they did everything together. You know, what happened? TV came on the scene, everybody would eat first, and then they would all sit around and watch TV because there was only one channel. Then there became different channels. What happened? Everybody had their own show. There was no more sitting at the table. Everybody was in their rooms eating. And you know what? That was a, a fantastic way to destroy the family structure because... You would know what was wrong with your husband or your wife, like we talked about in the past, if you're sitting at the table right across from each other. If your children are there at the table, you would know if something was wrong with them. But you see how everybody's in their phones, everybody's in their TVs and things like that. Man is is slowly being taught to be cold. (laughs) You know, quick. All right, got to go. Bing. Everything is fast. There's no more interaction. Then they wonder why people have no people skills. You know, because no one's talking to one another. People riding down the street, texting, you know, and, and trying to drive at the same time. I'm guilty you know? of it. Well, I think everybody <laughs> yeah. is, but I, I, yeah. can't, I can't. It's too much for me. I don't. I can't handle that. <laughs> right. But it's just one of those things where he's saying here, Wherefore, awake thou that sleepest, and arise um, from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The more you know the Lord, the more he reveals things to you. You know, Trust me, people that are believers in Christ, they really don't want to bug you. They don't, guys. Trust me. They don't want to bug you. They don't want to. You think it's fun having everybody hate you for talking about Jesus? I mean, think about this. Who would do that in their right minds just to have no friends? But there's something in you that believes in the truth that you want people to come to it. And, you know, and it's because... You know, you get to share something that's with you, not because you want to offend people. That's not the goal. Anybody can be quiet and have friends, trust me. But, you know, when it comes down to it about what this world's about, when he says that see that you walk circumspectly, that means to walk around looking in the circle, noticing what's around you. Those things are important. He says here, not as fools, but as wise, meaning it's wise to notice things that are around you. Why? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, again, 
there was there wasn't a lot of awareness that I had in my life because I was just so you know into me into the things of the world and I'm not saying that you can't do things in this life and have fun but build a relationship with Christ get to know him you know see I mean think about it what's so going what's going on so great in our lives that we can't give him a chance that we can't give him one shot you've done it your way look how successful we all are you know you may as well give him a shot just see if it's true you know the Bible says taste the Lord and see that he is good you know, and, and I can tell you about the power of God. When Ryan, Sarah, and I, I don't know if you guys heard, but about that old lawsuit thing, you know, we were up the creek without a paddle. What did we do? We didn't panic. We started praising the Lord. We prayed every day. We left it in his hands. Every plot, plan, and scheme that they put against us, I mean, we were supposed to be fired with the amount of evidence that they tried to bring forward. Mm-hmm. It got reversed, and they got put out. Why? Because there are things that that happen in the spirit world that affects the physical world. There's nothing that you do in your physical life that doesn't have a spiritual backing first. This is where the thoughts come from to do things. This is where we get the behaviors, you know, before we do things. There's no such thing as you're just doing it because you want to. There's always an influence. Inspiration means to be breathed upon by a spirit, whether it's good or bad. That's what inspiration really means. But people will tell that, oh, you just got inspiration. Well, what does inspiration mean? You see, no one wants to go there. Why? They want people to not be spiritually minded. They want you carnal minded. So inspiration just seems like, you know, I just looked around and I got some ideas. You see, it's focused on me. But the true definition of the word is to be breathed upon by a spirit. That means that there are things that we don't see that influence many of the things that we do. All right, so from here, did I rub my mouth enough? (laughs) Let's go into uh, James chapter 3. I'm one that never thought I'd be doing this. I'm telling you, I couldn't stand people like me. Chapter. Two. Okay. Still, in, still in the Old Testament. <laughs> James chapter one. Well, you need to come to Bible study. <laughs> no, no, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, James one verse uh, thirteen. Three. Three. Uh, three verse thirteen. Sorry. All right. Who is a wise man and endued him in knowledge among you? Let him shew out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Another word for sensual there is soulish. Another word there is natural. That's what that word means, sukekos. It's It's natural-minded. But look at what comes from a natural mind. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So, you know, one of the things here that we have to understand 
all, have we all been hypocrites? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, more times than I actually want it to be. There's things in my life I'm still struggling with. But the goal is to do things that the Lord wants us to do. You know, you're striving. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. We all know this. But it's just striving, trying to do better. You know, and the more you get to know the Lord, the more of a conscience you begin to have. Uh, verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So, you know, it's really all about these two different types of works or minds. The mind that is earthly, it's all about me. And that's what you find in this world today. It's all about me. If I don't benefit from it, then I want nothing to do with it. But the the love that comes from heaven, from above, is sent. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's selfless. You know, here, I don't even lend anymore. I just give people. Why? Because the Lord has been blessing me ever since I have. You know, there's so many things that I've changed in my life. You know, I still got a long way to go. But the thing is, is that we still have to strive, you know, to do what he wants us to do. And, you know, there are times we may question whether or not God still exists. You know, what everyone can do. You know, Jesus, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. He'll do it if you're sincere in heart. You know, it's not, you know, rubbing a magic lamp. Or it's not trying to, you know, I want to see if this actually happens. No, if you really want to know if he exists, if he exists, ask him to reveal himself. He will. That's what he does. Let's go to, what's up? I said, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell Sarah, who was she? Sarah was a drunken sailor from... <laughs> Yeah. I was a <laughs> drunk alien from another planet, is what I was to put it in embarrassing terms. All right. right, we'll go to James 1 and 21. When Derek started talking to me about the Lord, man, I got on his nerves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you try and tell her stuff, and she's all, well, you don't know. Maybe this could be, that could be. But it's not brainwashing. It really is a revealing of who he is. Uh, James 1 and 21. Damn right. You there? Oh, okay, cool. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluidity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness an engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There are a lot of people that think in this thing, all I get to do is be a spectator, don't have to do anything else, and I'm good. The book here says, be not deceived. Um, 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face. There's that word again. Natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, he goeth his way, uh, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So the thing is, is like if you were to look at yourself, if you're just a um, a spectator, pretty much, you know, you go into it, it's quick to think of yourself as one way, but not recognizing what you should be doing or what the goal is or where you should be. So, you know, this is something here where a natural mind, natural face, Natural ways, you know, you'll be a spectator. If you're someone that's in the spirit, you know, 
You're led by the Spirit of God. He tells you what to do. Okay, so anybody have any questions there? Or... All right, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So he deceives himself. You know, he basically looks at himself as, and you find this everywhere. You got so many people judging other people about what they do. These false Christians judging people for every little thing. But the funny thing is they can't even recognize what they're not doing, mm -hmm. you know. And that's what they mean by the natural face, you know, forgetting what manner you came in. You deceived yourself. What was I telling you about that earlier, being raised in, you know, Baptist churches on the east, southern east coast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all these, especially the women, could have their own gossip column over the stuff that, you know, and it wasn't that they were concerned why you didn't come to church. They wanted to be up in your business so they would have something to talk about to their friends. You know, it wasn't a concern like, how's your well-being? You know, how can I help you? No, it was. So why wasn't you at church today? You know, like trying to get at you so they could go and talk about it. And that's not that's not what it should. I mean, and to me, that was always very distracting or very uh, disinteresting about church. Is like you know they weren't doing it to help you. Mm -hmm. I had the same experience, but in kind of a different situation. Yeah, not the gossip, but the oh, you don't go to church. Yeah, we dealt with that a few weeks ago in here with that Alan character. <laughs> oh, Remember him? This guy oh, was not oh, shut up. <laughs> He was going to come teach everybody, but he knew very little. Was, so he was, was just running off at the mouth. It was very yeah. interesting because I had a roommate at that point, my senior year. And my wife friend goes, I know you believe, and I know you, you, you are very strong in what you believe. But my other roommate, who was an education major and a religion minor, would have me correct her religion papers. Well, she couldn't write worth anything. But... <laughs> But I, she had, it was a, she was taking a class on, or it was world religions, and Islam was, she's doing a paper on Islam, and I'm sitting here going, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. She's like, but this is what the professor said. I said, I just took a course on that. Here's a book. <laughs> well, she's writing down her own dates and things like that. Oh, no, it was, oh, they believe in this, they believe in that, they believe, I'm like. That's extremist stuff. I, I hate to tell you this, but that's not. Yeah. That's not the. And she just was like, "Well, and oh, you're going out with your friends again?" Yeah. And I had a roommate told me. She said the other roommate, one of the, because I live in Quad. She goes, you, "I always know where you are. I know who you're with, and I know when you're going to be home. I think you're the most responsible person, and you're respectful for." Our, She's like, I don't have any worries about you. <laughs> it was, it was, it was quite. The, it was, it was looking at the different. One was more spiritually minded, and one was more religious. Well, yeah. And yeah. the one that was, she knew what my intentions were and my how I was leading my life, and she's the one that has the PhD in immunology. The one that was more um, spiritual. The mm -hmm. one that was. Yeah, and it was very interesting. It's a very interesting experience, and that was one of a lot of people <laughs> oh, yeah. that I, I mean, dealt I, with. And, I see why a lot of people don't like, you know, church people. I, I do, because a lot of people, they want to, you know, clean their fish before they even catch them. Yep. You know, they just want to start going right at you with what you have to do. You know, and, and we have to ask ourselves, how did you walk into this? 
we walked into this still doing the things that we're doing. Slowly and gradually, the Lord had to, you know, pull certain things out. But we, we never came in just perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I've got it figured out now. You know, and it's just... But one of the things that you talk to people about certain churches, and they're like, well, if, there was, if it was a perfect church, there'd be no need for it. And I'm like, that's not the point. The point is, is that you're going to change your life over the course of time. You know, yes, we're all sinners. Yes, we all come short of the glory of God. But there's certain things that He's going to clean up in your life. You're not going to just that. He'll give you things. I mean, yeah, I can't even tell enough stories, even about like the one when, you know, they wanted to evict evict me here because they wanted me to pay more rent, and I wouldn't sign the paperwork over. And I mean, yeah, I had a notice on my door one day. Sarah came by, and she was um, taking me to work. Yeah, going to take me to work, and. You know, obviously she saw the note on the door. I snatched it off real quick, you know, walked in. And she said, um... I think I asked what it was, didn't I? She said, oh, everything all right? I'm like, yeah, they just want to come change, fix my pipes or whatever like that. Long story short, they wanted to evict me. I went got ready for work. We come back out. There's a neighbor that was going through the same thing. He was getting evicted. And he said, um, what are you going to do? And I said, what do you mean? About what? So what are you going to do with those note, that notice on the door? You know, they're going to get rid of you and all. And I said, man, I'm not worried about these chumps. I told him straight <laughs> up. And he said, yeah, well, they're kicking people out all over the city and all this other stuff's going on. I said, hey, look, man, I'm trusted in my God. I can care less. I'm not even worried about it. He looked at me like he saw a ghost. You know what I mean? <laughs> do you know who you're dealing with, my friend? This is the government. I'm like, yeah, well, my God is God. You can do whatever you want to do. He's going to fix it. So I go off to work and everything. A few days went by. I mean, of course you're thinking about it, you know, but you're not going to let it control your thinking. I may not have a place to live soon. That was my thinking. But I'm like, either way, God is going to take care of it. I'm not concerned. Well, (laughs) who was it, that Monday? I was supposed to go to court next week. That Monday, I get a notice from them dismissed, um, don't worry about it, everything is fine, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I thought so, you know, but it's like, you got to know who your God is, never mind what the world tells you, see, the natural mind, which this guy was, he moved out before he even had a hearing, he just left in fear, because they told him they were going to evict him, see, the natural mind, they're the government, you know, they can bring police to your door, they can call the marshals and have you thrown out, you know, they can press charges against you, Spiritual mind, my God is God. I could care less. Either way, if he doesn't want me here, he's got something better for me. But see, when I executed that faith and belief, that's when it came alive. It's not going to come alive any other way unless you test it. You can't say, oh, Lord, I want to quit drinking, but um, and I believe you're going to help me quit drinking. But in case you can't, I'll keep this fifth of liquor in the drawer, you know, in case the urges come back. You know, if you pray for rain, then have your raincoat on. Where's your Where's your buckets to receive the water? When you act in faith, that's when faith comes. That's when it works. But if you don't exercise it, then you don't even know you have it. Right. You know, if you think naturally minded, yeah. You know, faith is to the positive what fear is to the negative. Okay? You can believe in fear. The things that affect us the most are things that we are most afraid of. The things that we give power to. You know, those are the things that come against us. Uh, matter of fact, let's go to Ephesians 6 real quick. I want to knock this point out. Ephesians 
But I'm telling you, a natural mind has got nothing on a spiritual mind because a spiritual mind, even though the evidence is right there in front of you, you're doomed. The spiritual mind will say, man, we have just begun. I'm not even worried about this. You know, because you know that there's more than what you have. Mm -hmm. There's he that is greater than you. I mean, he that is in you is greater than the world. All right. Ephesians 6, verse 9. Uh, verse 10, actually. All right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. The Greek word there for principalities is arche. It means like archon. That's where we get the word archon. It's like a magistrate or a government. Okay? It's like a ruling body that institutes what laws are played out, what things are done. Now, this is spiritual. This is not the physical world. But this is what controls the physical world. Okay, uh, against powers. The Greek word there for powers is exousia. That means like authorities, authorities that are over certain things that are done. Okay, that's what exousia means. So it's just like when we have certain things put in play in government, there's certain, there's certain authorities that oversee them to make sure that they go the way that they want them to. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, the Greek word there for ruler is cosmocrata. That's a world ruler. That means that all of these things that are instituted in this world are by a world ruler. Okay, so this is the ranking system and how it goes up. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now when you go there, you're talking about the spirit realm exactly that most people don't see. When we deal with things in this physical life, although we might be engaging an enemy or someone on the street, Someone that doesn't like us. Yeah, you guys may be acting it out, you and them, but there's a spiritual backing behind the both of you that's, that's really making it happen. And that's why, you know, even though they wanted to throw me out, even though people wanted to fire us, even though all these things wanted to play out, we were still able to overcome it. Why? Because what was greater over us was greater than that which was against us. You know, this thing is all spiritual, no matter how physical we try and make it seem. Okay, so I brought that point up. Uh, let's go to uh, Jude 1. Well, there's only one Jude, but let's go there real quick. We can wrap it up. You guys all right over there? No, it took a while for me to. Oh, there it is. Because once you can picture where it is, then you have yeah. All right, Jude 1, uh, verse uh, 16. No, let's go to 17. But, beloved, remember ye that, wit, that words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time 
who should walk after their own god their own their own ungodly lust. So mockers. Now this was written back when, you know, maybe just before seventy A.D., maybe forty something A.D. Now here we are in twenty sixteen, and they're saying that there should be mockers, you know, who are after you. Now how many people tease the Bible today? This Bible is accurate with prophecy, even way back then, nineteen. These be they who separate themselves sensual. There's that word again, you know, meaning like soulish, natural, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And, and of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Uh, to the only wise God, our Savior, glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So what we understand here is, again... It's all about, you know, not being sensual, not being natural-minded, but being more spiritual-minded. You know, the difference between a natural and a spiritual mind can even be like this. A natural mind would be like the stick-figure things that you see, like if you were to draw on the wall. A spiritual mind is like 3D, you know, the, the dimension that we're in, you know, where you have real understanding that you're not just seeing one side of things, you're able to see depth and go beyond that. You know, that's the difference between a natural and a spiritual uh, mind. You know, they're so, so different. All right, two quick points, and I promise we'll get out of here. All right, two quick points. Let's go to Romans uh, 8. Okay, we'll start at verse 1. Everybody there? Alright. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life uh, in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So he took on everything that we had to the cross that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So the only way to see this thing out walk in the spirit not in the flesh. Not an easy thing to do but this is what we strive for and we will never be imperfect. Okay, uh, five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You know, funny thing with me, and I'm sure everybody who's ever come to Christ has felt this way, you begin to lose an appetite for certain things that you used to love. You know, like even things that you wanted to do, you now feel like, man, I don't even want to listen to this. You know, your, your taste for certain things, you know, foods, um, 
you know, TV, music, so many things just begin to change that it's not a conscious decision. I mean, it's not just a decision. There's a nature change in you that takes place. Okay, uh, did I read five already? But they that are after the spirit uh, mind the things of the spirit. So that's what they mean. For to be carnally minded is death. That carnally, again, is like sensual, soulish, you know, natural, um, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Funny thing about words like peace and joy, they're not like glad, sad, or happy. You know, peace, is it's, it's interesting. There could be a war going on around you. But when you're at peace in the spirit, there are people that will ask you, why are you so calm? Aren't you upset with what's going on? But spiritually, you're like, you know, it's all right. <laughs> I'm okay. People can't figure out what's wrong with you. Other thing about joy, joy is through and through. Happiness is for a moment. This is why sometimes, you know, we're happy in situations and then we come right out of it. Oh, I'm feeling great about myself and now I'm not feeling so great anymore. When the Lord touches the spirit of you, you get filled with joy, which means that that's what's through and through. So you're not moved by momentary, you know, things. You know, there's, there's a, a nature that you have. It lasts. Mm -hmm. Okay, seven. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Carnal mind, worldly mind, Greek mind, those are minds that hate Christ. This is why, you know, we bother people when we talk about Jesus. Because the minds are different. We're of a different nature. Speaking of the spirit is foreign. You know, when there's a nature change and things that take place in us, that's when things become more interesting to us. You know, and again, you're going to have these parts where you start to feel spiritual. Then you can feel the flesh growing back on you. You start to go, you know, so there's a fight that we have to go through to change this. But it says that a carnal mind is the enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So even if they were to say in a carnal mind, I want to follow God, you can't do it if your mind is natural. Your mind has to be transformed to be able to do so. Okay, uh, so then, uh, this is verse 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That, that goes for everybody here. I don't care if you're Christian or non-Christian. If you walk in the flesh or you're fleshly minded, you can't please God because your ways and your thoughts are so out, far outside of his. You know, think about the fact that he loved us, even though most of us don't, I mean, many of us don't believe. Look at how he loved you regardless, not taking you in your sins, giving you chance after chance, wanting you to get to know him, not forcing himself on you. But look at how, you know, we do when someone does us wrong. Oh, I'm through with you. Oh, that was the last time I'm not dealing with this again. So his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, they said his thoughts towards us are like the grain of sand in the sea. They're innumerable. You know, those are his thoughts towards you and I, to us. All right. So from here, Romans 12, and then I promise we're done. Anybody want to add anything? Any questions? No? Uh, yeah. I was just going to say real quick uh, to kind of go off of your point that that's why it's so important that we forgive others. You know, like it says in Matthew, you know, we should forgive others, you know, and then 
the Father will forgive us, you know, because it's kind of like, why should he forgive us if we don't forgive others? That's right. A forgiver is a forgetter, too. Mm -hmm. Some people say, I forgive you, but I'll never forget it. Then you didn't forgive. When the Lord forgives you, he gets rid of, he, he you know, he forgets. Yeah. He's not bringing it up when you upset him. Oh, okay. Now, remember what you did last week? That's us. That's not him. His thoughts of, man, when it's gone from him, it's gone. Never to be brought up again. It's a clean slate. He knows we're imperfect. Romans 12, verse 1. And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Interesting point there is, that's our reasonable service. We can't even do that. This is how far we've got to go, you know, but I'm okay with that as long as I know what the goal is. It's not going to be easy, okay? But, you know, it will get easier as time goes on. Right. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove... That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto them, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, you know, if you quoted this in most modern churches today, the people would burn up. I mean, there's no way that... Or they'd burn you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ought to think. Uh, but to think um, soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man and that measure of faith, the measure of faith. So, you know, again, what we have to understand here is it's what the Lord wants us to do. It's his will. Get to know him. He won't fail you. If you got him, you've got everything. It doesn't mean that you have to go to a beach somewhere and become homeless and, you know, escape the world. No. You know, you can do everything you can in this world, but just don't sell out to it. Understand what it really is. You know, he'll bless you. He'll give you so much. You know, when times are falling and no one likes you and your family wants nothing to do with you and all your friends are gone, you have him in your life. You know, when you got the Lord, you have everything. You know, so that's what I wanted to bring forward today is, you know, the carnal, natural mind versus the spiritual mind. There's peace in a spiritual mind. You know, it's times when we lose loved ones in our lives and things like that happen. How, you know, we get so torn up and we're hurt by it. But you know, if you're a believer and you know that that person that passed was, there's a kind of peace that you have over it because you know that there's an afterlife. You know that there's a God and there's a heaven and there's a place. So there's a peace there that's settled around you. But a natural person, you know, the mind, and I'm not saying you won't love your dearly departed like anyone else, but natural mind is, you know, all you think about is your time here with them. You know, we go crazy and we cry our eyes out. And, and, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't hurt, but there's peace in having a spiritual mind. There's peace in knowing that you're not in control of the majority of things that go on in this world. You can let go of so much stress, you know, and, and, and uh, depression in your life. If you just give it to him, you know, that's what he's there for. He's the great physician. You know, he's that teacher. He's that father. He's that shepherd that watches over his sheep. You know, that's what it's really about, getting to know him. And when you know your father, you know your father has a lot of pull. You know there's nothing that anyone can do to him. You can call on him if you need him. You can call him daddy. That's how personal 
this relationship is and getting to know him. But we have to know, one, that he exists, two, that he has a will, and you execute that with him. And then you're going to strive. Get to know him. You know, that's all it is. If you don't think he's real, try him out. Just, just see what's there. See what happens to you. Watch what things begin to fall off of you. You know, just try him. We've done it our way. Are we successful? <laughs> Are we happy? <laughs> you know, get to know him. You know, so with that, if no one has anything to add, you know, we can conclude that in prayer. So everybody understands the carnal mind versus the spiritual mind. Any questions? Anything? No? All right. Good, Sarah. Ten-minute prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you again for another time that you have allowed us to come together. Lord, another time that you have allowed us to study your truth that have been brought forward. Lord, I want to thank you for everyone who came tonight, Lord, and I pray that you would touch each and every one of our lives. I pray that you would help us to understand what your word says, Lord, and I pray that we would draw closer to you. I pray, Lord, that we would cry out to you, that we would seek you, Lord, to know that you are real, to know that you have things for us that you want to do in our lives, Lord, but we need to get to know you first. Lord, I thank you for another day that you have given to us, not promised us. Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you have given to us, everything that you've blessed us with, Lord, everything that you've bestowed upon us. I want to thank you for never leaving us wanting or without, for never breaking a promise with us, Lord. It is us who have hurt you through disobedience. But Lord, you've still given us your grace period. Lord, a grace period that we can get our lives right with you. But Lord, we have got to keep pushing forward. We've got to keep going. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that's keeping us from having a right relationship with you, that it be torn down so you can speak with us, Lord, so you can share your secrets with you. I mean, you can share your secrets with us. Lord, I ask and pray today that if there's anyone in here who's struggling with family issues, that they call upon your name. If there's anyone in here struggling with finances, Lord, that they would seek you to know that you will bless our lives, Lord, in a way that we would never seem possible and to know that it came from you. Lord, I thank you for everyone that came tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just watch over us this evening, that you would guide and direct our lives. I pray that you would watch over our families tonight, Lord, that you would touch their lives. I pray that if there's any amongst them tonight that are sick, that are hurt, that have mental issues, broken hearts, or broken past, Lord, that you would touch their lives tonight and that you would heal them. But, Lord, help them to see that you are their great physician. Lord, I pray that we would study your word more to know what it says, to dive deep into your truths, Lord, so you, and you will reveal that to us. I pray, Lord, that you would build us up every day to bring lost souls to you, that you would help us to understand the spiritual warfare that we must fight and that we would take on the full armor of God, Lord, that we would taste to see that you are good, Lord. There's so much that you want to share with us. And I pray that we would come to you every day. Lord, I thank you again for this day. I thank you again for this opportunity. I, I pray that you would be with Ryan and Jessica, Lord, that you would touch their lives, be with them, Lord, help them. Be with Chantel, Lord, with everything that she's going through, that you would watch over her life, Lord. Be with Derek, Lord, that you would continue to watch over him and use him, Lord, as that willing vessel that your word can be brought forward. I pray that you would watch over us this evening, that you would guide us and direct us and lead us into your truths, Lord. Place your shield of protection around us. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.